How long have you had a guinea pig in your freezer, Sarah? Uh, about three weeks. <laughs> Hi, it's Adam. Hello. Hello. I host this show. Hi. Hello. Hmm. I really need to work on my intros. Let's see if I can uh, dig up a good template. Do we have a clip of Robert Freddy Krueger England introducing himself? You see, my name is Freddy and I'm here to say I'll wrap you up and take you away. There we go. Starting next episode, I'll be introducing myself with the My name is Adam and I'm here to say template perfected by Robert England in that one Nightmare on Elm Street movie where he raps about himself over the end credits. Before we get to our guest, a question. What do you do when a pet dies? No, this isn't the world's most depressing riddle. It's a weird thing to think about, but it's worth thinking about if you have a pet. Usually you take a sick dog or cat to a veterinarian, and when your pet's illness turns out to be fatal or inoperable, they take care of the remains at the vets. At least that's my experience. Or if you have a goldfish, uh, we all know their fate is sealed with your mom's purchase of a brand new 1,000 flushes cake. My first real experience with a pet's death was my bunny. I had adopted this adorable floppy-eared bun when I was a kid, and I was obsessed at the same time with the NES game Contra. Since my favorite power-up in Contra was the rapid-fire gun, I named my bun Rabbit Fire. I had Rabbit Fire for a few years, and he was a great pet, but I'll never forget the night he died. I'm no psychic, but I remember being racked with worries about Rabbit Fire one night. And it was so bad that I couldn't sleep, and I just pretended to be asleep, waited until everyone went to bed, and eventually snuck down to the basement at 3 a.m. I just knew Rabbit Fire wasn't okay. I just knew somehow. And there was nothing I could do for him. I always fed him enough, always made sure he had enough water, always cleaned his cage, always took him out of his cage to stretch his bun legs, and most crucially, I had given him a cool name. But that night, I had a sense that he was sick. And that the only thing I could do was stay with him. So I did. I stayed with him, and I, I pet him and talked to him until he slipped away into death. Now that's the end of my psychic pet death capabilities. Uh, not sure how I knew that rabbit fire's time was up. I just did. And I guess that's just the bond between a boy and his bun. Rabbit fire would get a hero's burial in my childhood backyard. Now burial is but one way to handle the death of a beloved pet. This month on And Thereby Hangs a Tale, we're going to talk about some unconventional ways you can deal with your pet's remains, both from our guest and a movie recommendation later on in this episode. Speaking of our guest, who do we have on the horn this month? This is Sarah Walsh. Sarah Walsh is a comedian and a cartoonist who's going to tell us all about Dave. Dave was the best guinea pig in the entire world. I named him after Super Dave Osborne. Uh... <laughs> I did. It was, you know what, when we brought him home, Peter, that's my boyfriend, Peter was like looking at him and he was just like, what are we going to name him? And I was like, Dave. And he was just like, after your deceased father? I was like, no, 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 after Super Dave Osborne. The real irony of ironies is that your dad was Super Dave's assistant, Fooge. <laughs> oh, so many pants with stars in our old house.
Yeah, we got Super Dave Osborne about three years ago, and he was a tiny little guy. Then we didn't realize this will actually eat themselves to death if you don't stop them, because he grew to be like about the size of like a football. His eyes were special, because no matter which way you pointed to him, he was looking at two separate directions. Oh, he was like a guinea pig Columbo. How long did it take before you realized that, like, Dave only had a passion for one thing, and that was food, and presumably his eyes were going in, like, two different directions because they were just pointed at, like, the two nearest food sources? He was he was not slim, but he was a normal build guinea for, you know, the three years that we had him. Basically, every time, like, I would enter a room, he would start squeaking violently and gesturing to his food bowl. Well, and by gesturing, I mean headbutting it just around. And I actually spoke to other people that own guinea pigs, and they were just like, no, dude, you got to cut them off because they will actually eat forever if you don't stop them. Despite Dave's size, he was almost as active as the real Super Dave Osborne, because Sarah, who works at a daycare, in addition to all the other things that she does, would take Dave over to visit them sweet children who love nothing more than to handle a guinea pig. When I took him somewhere where there was like, dozens of sticky loud children he would stop and he would be super chill and i don't think it was in like a scared like i'm so chill because i'm going to die and i've accepted it way i think it was just a very like he just enjoyed being pet but that's only because it came with carrots we i think actually the day that proved to be his last day we brought him to my daycare and he had a really good day how many day trips would you bring or dave trips or would you bring your guinea pig to see them? oh i like dave trips so much better than what i've just been calling them what did you call them dave daves which you know i guess but yeah that was so much better i feel like we're in a stir friday situation this is this is exactly it so you just gave me like you know you know what it's too late now <laughs> After Dave's final Dave trip, or Dave day, Sarah takes Dave home. And I was with him literally the whole day, except for about 10 minutes. I went to go get a couple of things at the supermarket, and I came back, and Dave had died. It was the only 10 minutes I wasn't with him the whole day. And what had happened was he had literally died doing what he loved the most and ate himself to death. And, like, this is, I'm laughing, but, like, I was, I was hysterical but i found him and his eyes were open his mouth is open and there was everything in there there was carrots there was shavings there was hay like everything was just wedged right in there and being the very sleep deprived hysterical person that i was i got all the stuff out really quickly and then got a straw and did cpr on my guinea pig because like i feel stupid enough doing the cpr on the baby dolls that they give you to do cpr (laughs) So in this whole thing, I realize he is for sure dead. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm a wreck. I don't know what to do or who to call. Like I called my boyfriend. He was he, he was like, it's it's ten o'clock at night. I'm very sad, but also like I can't really help you. Like let's you you bag him up and put him in the freezer, and we'll have a little like guinea pig funeral <laughs> for him. And um, I guess I half calm down and. Um, then I realized that, like, you know, his eyes were still open and they were still looking, like, at one wall and then the other. <laughs> I was looking at the other wall, so I was like, let's give you some dignity. I'm going to close your eyes. I could not get those fucking things closed. Um, it was, and, like, I think that the thing that added to it that made it difficult was that I was holding something the size, like, the length of my arm. 
But rigor mortis had not yet set in, so fundamentally he just kind of kept flopping back and forth. Because um, every time I'd get him forward enough that I thought I could get his eyes closed, he would flop one way or the other. Yeah, that was the other thing. I, I couldn't fit him in a box uh, in my freezer, so I just put him in several very thick bags. The most predominant one being a liquor store bag. <laughs> so I just, I had that bag of guinea. But it, it could easily be mistaken for, you know, liquor. So that's that's not good if I have guests. Objectively, it was 11 o'clock at night. I wasn't going outside to dig a little hole. Like, I, I felt like even, like, that that was something that I kind of wanted to think about anyway. Because I don't want to just, like, dump them wherever. I spoke to one of my friends who doesn't really get pets if they aren't dogs. Like, she understands dogs, but anything smaller than that, she's like, why do you have them? She's like, well, did you just put them in the toilet? I was like, that seems a little unceremonious to just, like, dispose of your pet through the toilet. Peter had said, like, we come in the freezer and just, like, we'll go back and we'll check it out later. And we'll figure out our options to do with a dead guinea pig. After a night in the freezer, Sarah and her boyfriend Peter come to the next logical conclusion about how to handle her beloved guinea pig's remains. Taxidermy! If you got him taxidermy, you could make him doing cool stuff, like he could be climbing a mountain or making a little tiny pizza. But the hunt for pet taxidermy does not go over so well. But we did think about taxidermy, and that's why like, I've been looking up places to do taxidermy for weeks and I have not found anything and Dave is still in my freezer and up until like two weeks ago I was getting Peter to get everything in and out of my freezer because I did not want to go in there and disturb Dave. You'd be in quite a bad situation if somebody got a black eye because you would have to put a dead guinea pig on their face. It's not half as gross as frozen peas. Kids hate peas. They love Dave. Dead or alive, they love Dave. With Dave still in the freezer, Sarah begins to contact taxidermists by email. You know, if I open an email with, like, I don't want to seem like a psychopath, so I try to make them, like, aggressively cheerful emails. I'm just like, greetings! My name is, and also, I hope you are having a lovely day. Now, to business. Like, there's no way to kind of, like, segue that in without sounding like you're actually insane. Um, So, you know, that might come across as a little bit like i feel like they think it's just a prank like every time they get an email they're just gonna look at my email and shake their head and go fucking teenagers um one of the other places that i did get in contact with messaged me back pretty promptly and they were like okay what kind of kill do you got and i was like well i didn't kill him like i got hyper defensive i was like i didn't kill him he died doing what he loved eating literally i got an email back that was just an ellipses it was just dot 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 and then an hour later, I got an additional email <laughs> stating that they specialized in big games such as bears, deer, moose, but they don't really feel like they would be qualified to do something of that small a domestic matter. <laughs> I was like, but that's fair, I guess. But what if you posed them like a bear and then they just didn't dignify that email with a response, which is, which is reasonable. So, no takers on guinea pig taxidermy. Well, I did find someone on Kijiji that said that they offer that and a multitude of other services. I did not contact them. You should always be alarmed by any Kijiji ad that says, I'll do anything, and then has a winking emoticon next to it. I did look into, like, I was like, how difficult is taxidermy to do on your own? Um, Now... (laughs) 
I realized that basically the first 15 results of that search are bad taxidermy. And <laughs> I don't even think that I could do that myself. So ultimately, I feel like it's best left to somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Um, and also, like, I'm, I'm really scared that if I started doing that, I would develop like a terrifying Frankenstein complex. And it would just be like, I, I wouldn't even have like Dave making a little pizza like we intended. It would just be like dave but he's got vampire wings for some reason and he's got like human teeth sewed into him i don't know where i'm getting the human teeth i'm just getting them i'm scared that that's gonna like awaken something to me that i don't know is there i mean maybe i mean say what you will about serial killer sarah but do any of them seem tortured to you i say no they seem free they're like jim carrey in that movie yes man they only say yes <laughs> that's why john wayne gacy always had a smile on his face and not because he just dressed as a clown no no he was he was actually a very well adjusted man under all the murder it's a fact like uh, jeffrey dahmer was never late on his taxes ever yeah i don't know if that's true or not i i just made up a serial killer fact and i wish that that was the first time i did it but it's not that's okay. Uh, Sarah, I don't think this would be the first podcast to have made-up serial killer facts by people who didn't do research. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> I think that's actually a subgenre of podcasts at this point. What were your previous pets prior to Dave, and how did you handle their deaths when they happened? I had a rabbit that lived to be about four or five, and when she died, we put her in the freezer because i was still living at my mother's house i was in high school what is with you and animals and freezers let me explain i know that you're just like explaining won't be necessary sarah you're gross um when she died that was my old bunny igby when she died um it was winter we wanted to bury her we could not it was newfoundland winter so like snow is already taller than me but it's like everything is frozen and um so I put her in the freezer in hopes that when the ground thawed a little, we should bury her. But um, my my family is ever so slightly sociopathological, and uh, I was told that due to a mix-up, Igby was eaten. By whom? Or by what? Uh, by my loved ones, um, who stressed that you could really taste that she had been loved. <laughs> <laughs> well like somebody had brought home like wild rabbit that had been hunted for my mom and she didn't go into specifics she just said there had been a tiny mix-up whereby my rabbit had been eaten (laughs) okay good we're laughing about it now um when it first happened i think i cried for like two days in between throwing up and occasionally worrying about like any kind of diseases that they could have gotten from eating like a pet so nobody nobody wondered why uh, there was an extra head of rabbit at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, I feel like in my family, it's kind of easy for extra anything to slip by the wayside. Like, I'm a vegetarian. And I haven't eaten anything with a face since I was, like, a kid. So basically, I feel like if there's leftover anything, they're just like, oh, well, that's, that's one person share. Similarly, my mother keeps forgetting... That I, that she, I know that she ultimately knows I'm a vegetarian, but, like, that, that hasn't stopped her from occasionally sending me home with hot dogs. Um, just for, and I quote, when you change your mind about this phase you're going through, I'm like, uh, well, it's only been 20 years. It's probably something I'll grow out of. Like when all those kids went wicking after renting the craft. (laughs) 
One small interruption. At the top of the show, I asked what you do with a dead pet. One fascinating and must-see documentary that answers that question is Errol Morris's Gates of Heaven. The first third of the movie focuses on two rivals, Mac and Mike. Mac started a pet cemetery in California out of a genuine love of pets and a desire to give people's animals a proper tribute after death. Mac's devotion to these animals is 100% genuine, and he suffers from having a bit too much heart and not enough business sense, sadly. For the people that loved their pets and needed a place for them. Not the garbage pit, not the, the garbage can, and a place to bulldoze them into the ground, because we had more love and desire for our Mother Nature's little pets. God only gave us his pets to, to be our fellowship, our desire, in our will, and what have we got to give them return? Not to be put into a garbage pail or a dump ground, but our last goodbye for the thanks that they gave us. Mike, on the other hand, runs a rendering plant, and he is all business. You'd have to be all business if your business was converting rotting animal tissue and bone into usable products. I mean, to some people, you know, uh, you know, it's like losing their son or their daughter. I mean it. That's no kidding. They're really chilled up. Damn, heavy. It's heavy. You know, you get some real moaners on the phone. I mean, they're crying. Pitting together these two different ways of handling death highlights either how kind or how pointless it is to even have funerals. Not just for pets, but for people. The need is there, but we could feasibly be turned into tallow if we adopted Mike's attitude. Why not? Later in the film, we meet pet owners with portraits of their deceased pets, and the obsession seems unhealthy, even though it's no different than how we treat family when they die. And either that's ridiculous, or naturally human, or both. Story doesn't end there, but I won't reveal more of Gates of Heaven. You should watch it. You should also watch Werner Herzog's short compliment to that documentary. You see, Herzog had so little faith that Gates of Heaven would ever get finished that he famously said this. You see, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say, I'll wrap you up and take you away. Sorry, no, that's uh, Robert Englund rapping about himself again. Herzog told the director, Errol Morris, that if Gates of Heaven was ever completed, Herzog would eat his own shoes. When Gates of Heaven was released in 1978, Herzog, a man of his word, stuffed his shoes with garlic and spices, boiled them down, and ate them on stage. Herzog filmed and released his footwear dining experience as, what else? Werner Herzog Eats His Shoes. Also recommended viewing by me. Curious about buying Gates of Heaven or Werner Herzog Eats His Shoes? Check out our links at megaphonic.fm thereby slash seven. If you buy through Amazon using our store links, your purchase will throw a little bit of money to the production of this show without paying a cent more for those DVDs. But enough about movies directly or tangentially related to dead animals. Sarah Walsh has another frozen treat for us. So I decided to be a big girl a few weeks ago. I believe I told you about this. And uh, I was going to retrieve a bag of vegetables from my freezer without my guinea pig, like, upsetting me. I had a plan. I was like, I'm not going to get Peter to come get it for me. I'm going to do it myself. And it was about 6 o'clock in the morning because I was making lunch for the day. And uh, I I couldn't get the bag out, so I pulled it. I pulled it and I pulled it. And it was really early in the morning. It was kind of dark. I was really tired. And I guess I wasn't paying that much attention, but I used a lot more force than I think I should have because what happened next was everything shifted in my freezer and the bag that I was holding pulled Dave out of his bag 
And then Dave flew forward all six frozen pounds of him. So he's like as dense as a rock right now. Um, like he is very stiff. I'm pretty sure I could, I could kill an intruder with him. Um, (laughs) he is, you know, he's, he's a rock with feet, but he came rocketing out of the bag, rocketing forward and hitting me right in the gag reflex, flying through the air with broccoli stuck to him because that was what was in the bag I was holding. And that also burst open with his eyes open. (laughs) And his mouth's open and his eyes are still looking in the wrong direction. So he still looks really surprised. (laughs) And he hit me right in the middle of my throat before landing on my toes. So I'm coughing and wheezing and crying and screaming while Dave is just literally making like these thud sounds on the floor because he's still very round. So he's kind of rocking back and forth after he's hit my foot and then the ground to come to a resting spot. (laughs) So it was a, uh, it was not a good morning. <laughs> You've gone past, you know. Oh, I'm a person mourning my beloved pet. I now have a carcass in my freezer that I have to deal with. There's a practicality here. Well, okay. There's a few things that I've considered as options. Um, a, some people keep a baseball bat under their bed in case of nighttime intruders. I'm a girl. I live by myself. You know, you got to protect yourself. I could just start keeping like a mini fridge next to my bed whereby dave would stay in there and i could i i could kill a man with dave right now like he, he's he's solid he's he's a medicine ball made of cement it's option one option mm-hmm. two is dig a very tiny little hole and say my final bye-bye there's also you know option c which is he can probably stay in that freezer forever with little to no ramification and this only occurred to me um because i had a parent and a family that I work for that mentioned uh, that his sister has a number of dead cats in the freezer that have been there for 20 years because every time <laughs> one of them dies, they just get put directly in the freezer. So sometimes if you're not expecting it, or if you've had a couple of drinks and you go down to the freezer at the sister's house, you'll open the door and there's just two things staring up at you and it's, it's their dead cats. <laughs> now, I don't want to be that person because I would like to use my freezer. Um, and also, like, I, I would ultimately feel bad for Dave because he's my buddy and I don't I don't want him to be in the freezer forever. Like, what if, what if, I don't know, what if there's an apocalypse and the dead rise and he's all stuck in the freezer just being sad? Well, I mean, that's why you put your next pet in the freezer so he has company, like the lady with the two horrible dead cats. <laughs> yeah, no, if the dead rise, they'll just wake up, but they'll be like, well, at least we're together in this freezer. <laughs> Next to 4,000 fruitcakes from Great Ants for Christmas. <laughs> ah, CBC Sarah Walsh, thank you for telling me this story. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for encouraging this. Thanks again to Sarah for coming out on the show. If you like hearing Sarah Walsh's story, why not check out her comic strip, Kiddo? You can find her strip on both Kiddo's Facebook page and her personal Tumblr. There's going to be links in the show notes. That's all for this month's Thereby. Come back next month where our next buy on their time is author J. Margot Critch. She's going to talk about how she took her first steps to becoming a romance novelist by writing Dwayne The Rock Johnson fan fiction. Here's a clip. You see, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say, I'll wrap you up and take you away. Sorry, nope, 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 nope. That was Robert Englund rapping about Freddy Krueger again. Uh, I'm going to play you no clips from this episode. You're not going to get one. Just come back to hear the damn thing next month.
Okay. Please come back next month. <laughs> there won't be a Freddy Krueger drop next time. <sighs> Goodbye. And Thereby Hangs the Tales, a production of Megaphonic FM. Podcasts are the friends who live in your ears.